Welcome to Beyond the Scoreboard. I'm here with McCabe, Deontes, and Michael Boxy, and we're here to talk about the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL. So today, the All-Star Game, going on in a few minutes, as we got a little delayed with our head start, but we watched the Home Run Derby last night, NFL training camp is coming up, and the NBA, NBA Summer League is in full swing. So first off, we're going to start off with the uh, MLB home run derby that happened last night. Vladdy Jr. was the champion. He knocked off Randy Rosarena. A lot of cool storylines happened with that one. Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena, both teammates, grew up with each other through the minor leagues. Along with Luis Robert and Zach Gowan, shows you how far the Cardinals have fallen. Those four players all in the All-Star game and all were in their system during the start of their careers. So we'll get into that first topic. What are your guys' thoughts on the All-Star game? And what are you thinking of what we're going to see? I think, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar, that familiar with the MLB All-Star game. I know, like, the NBA All-Star game is super nonchalant. It's not very intense. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't tune in much to MLB, period, so I'm not too sure of how serious they take that. But I think I'm going to tune in tonight, probably to the end of it, see, see where the game is. If it's a good game, I'll probably tune in, see where it goes from there. But... I'm not too familiar with MLB myself. So. Honestly, I think NL smokes them this year. I mean, I know, I know, like at least the last five, the AL have won, and basically have just been kind of rolling them. But I think now that you got like Trout, he's not playing. Judge not playing. The only guy, um, the only guy really like Shohei. And then honestly, I think the Texans are just. I think they just had a good first half, and I really don't think. I really don't think they're going to be too much of a threat. I mean, and then if you look at the NL roster, like they got the Braves, who are basically just like a juggernaut this year. And then they got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Luis Reyes. Like, I just think it's too much firepower. So first half, a lot of different storylines occurred for the MLB. L.A. De La Cruz played his first 30 games of his career electric, 16 stolen bases, and he's hitting 325 on the year. Some great numbers from him. And then the AL East is dominating the league. They have five teams with 48 wins. The only conference that's even close is three teams. That's the NL West with the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants. Then we go to the Braves, and I wanted to pose a question to you guys. They are right now 60-29. and 29. They need to go 56-17 and 17 on the rest of the season to tie the best record ever in the MLB. Do you all think they can do it? I mm. think I – think- I think if they stay healthy, I mean, they've proven to stay healthy throughout the season so far. And if Acuna keeps hitting, keeps raking, and everyone's just having good hitting spurts, um, their pitching is going to pick, um, pick it up for them if they go in, like, any slugging slump, um, slumps. I feel like, but I think they can break the record, honestly. Who set the record? The Miami sure Marlins. The Marlins oh, set the record with the 162 game season, 116 and 46. I'm not sure. 57 and 17. That's I mean, they're doing great, but like I said, I'm not too familiar with baseball. But to me, just off the top of my head, that sounds pretty hard to sustain. 57 and 17. Yeah, it was in 2001. So none of us. Were, well, I wasn't born at that point, but no, none of us. Weren't the Dodgers born. super good one year? Yeah, the Dodgers were super good. The Cubs have the best record, like technically. So. Yeah, the Dodgers. The Dodgers had a 111 wins in 2022. So last yeah, year. yes, sir. And then one thing we didn't get to about that home run derby, 
Y'all say saw J Rod set the record for most home runs in a single round. He had 41, one more than Vladdy hit in 2019, but still an insane amount and in front of the home crowd. Yeah, I did see that. That was pretty insane. I actually turned that on. We, me and Mike were together. We turned it on halfway through it. Like, he was like a minute and 30 into the three minutes. He was already like 25 or some crazy. And we're like, he's going for it all. But I'm not really surprised. I mean, he was the hometown. He was in his hometown for the All-Star game. So he had to put on the show. He had to put on for the hometown. He sold. He sold. Yeah, I definitely didn't think Vladdy was going to win. Crazy story. Me and Mike, we did bet on the home run derby. We're like, we're like betting it. We bet it on Vladdy, and he did get what we needed, but he started very slow, and he looked very tired. So we were debating on betting him under for the next round. Good thing we didn't do that. That boy was raking. No, I think the craziest thing, I think the um, Adley Rush, Rushman, what he did in that first round when he switched, switched hit, when he was hitting lefty, hit like 21 lefty, and then the last 30 seconds, like with his bonus time, he hit righty and hit six homers out of like the – or he hit seven homers out of like the eight pitches he got. No, he's going to be good. With the Orioles, like the Orioles have a very bright future, like no cap. Like, bro, they're so good, like on paper. They're just pitching. They're they're bad at pitching. I think they need they should trade for a pitcher at the deadline. After yeah. like, like serious, like a serious contender. Next storyline is the San Diego Padres, forty three and forty seven right now, four games below five hundred. They spent millions of dollars on free agency on Xander Bogarts, on Michael Waka, and on Juan Soto, and they're not getting the return they were looking for. They're looking for a championship last year. That didn't happen, and it's not looking great for them this year, sitting fourth in their division. What do you guys think they got to do to turn it around in the second half? Uh, uh, me personally, if you all don't know, the Padres is my favorite baseball team. I don't tune in much because I don't care for baseball that much, but when I do, I usually watch them. It's definitely disappointing, for sure, without a doubt. It's, it gives you kind of like a Brooklyn Nets vibe with the KD, Kyrie, Harden thing with like the, you know, super team thing. And it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about baseball. I don't know if super teams usually get it done or they don't. But from what I'm seeing and how much money they did spend these past couple of years on these players, it's obviously disappointing. Yeah, and then we'll get into – Favorite players from the first half of the season. So mine's a little different than y'all's. Mine's Jaron Duran. Not much to talk about there. Second-year player in the MLB from the Red Sox. Plays center field. Last year, underwhelming performance, and then came on great. Played a great start of the season, and all the way up until this point, he's leading the team in steals. Is in around 300-plus, and just a bright star for the Red Sox. So Fernando Tatis suspended for the first part of the season after the PD suspension, had a great start to the year in the minors, and then worked his way all the way back up to the majors, and he's been killing baseballs all season. What did you think about that, D? Well, first thing I'm going to say, because you did say worked his way back to the majors, obviously we know why he was placed in the minors because probably a little discipline and, you know, had to get him back into the groove of things before throwing him back out there in the fire. Second of all, I think once he got back to the majors and once he got rolling again and got his feet, his legs back under him, I think he picked it up. I mean, you know, he, he does what he does, you know, uh, makes big plays, cannot make the little plays sometimes. Part of the reason I think his position was changed outfield from shortstop, whatever, whatever the case may be. And a part of that part of that is because of injuries, too, obviously. 
He was getting injured a lot in the infield. But I think he'll be fine. I think second half of the season, I think the Padres as a team would get it going again. Like I said, they have so much talent. I'm not sure what's making them underachieve, but I think once they get things going again, get back into the swing of it, they'll be fine. As far as their division, I think they're in a pretty tough division. I'm pretty sure it's like with the Dodgers and all of them, all those other good teams who are playing to their potential. So I think once they pick it up and play to their potential, they'll be just as competitive as, as everyone else in their division. Yeah, they're not like a they're not like a team like the New York Mets who are throwing like the most amount of money in payroll on this season right. and their team's dead pretty much dead in the water with just yeah, half they're... the season to go. They did go on a six game win streak to end to hit get themselves to the all star break, but they struggled for most of that first half of the season. And the main reason I say for Tatis that he moved to the outfield was because they signed that eleven year deal with Xander Bogarts. You're not mm. gonna move Bogarts from short to another position when he's right. when been he's... the he's won championships with the Red Sox multiple and he's played shortstop his whole life so I think that was their their idea going into it let's move him to the outfield he can make plays obviously the injuries are a problem as well and so doing that being a corner outfielder is definitely easier on your body as a 162 game season goes along but then we're going to another corner outfielder or at least an outfielder in general and Ronald Acuna one of the best players in baseball. He's been overshined a little bit by Shohei Otani, who just does everything. But Acuna's right up there with him for the best in the league. And McCabe, that was your favorite yeah. guy in the first half. I think it's just what he's doing this year is just you really can't. Like, I think he's getting, yeah, outshined by Otani and then a little bit De La Cruz, like these last 30 days. But like the way he's been hitting the ball, like he's hitting, like, He's top five in stolen bases, batting average, like almost like like hits, like all these crazy stats, like twenty one homers, like he's a leadoff guy, like he's got second most stolen bases, like three thirty average is insane. Like if he hits if he gets anything over three twenty five, like I think it should be like a unanimous MVP because he's gonna keep getting those stolen bases. You just can't Oh Cunha. Yeah, like a coon. He's and then if if he he's already has twenty one homers. Like if he gets forty homers, like come on now. I don't think that's ever been done by a leadoff hitter. I don't know, but you think I he think deserves it? Doing is you think there's a chance he gets it over Otani? No. Yes. I mean they they'll both if they, if, they, if they take the record if they take the record he's for sure MVP like a hundred percent MVP if yeah, they break they, the record they both be able to get it because. Uh, Otani's yeah, they're in two different division. There's two he, different, not division oh, conferences. Okay. So, oh, but, so do they do MVP for both? Yeah, uh-huh. so there's one for each. And but the major thing is like he's getting he's getting outshined by his his own player on his own team, Matt Olson, 29 home runs, 72 RBIs, and has been yeah. one of the surprises of the season. They lost Freddie Freeman. He went to LA and joined that super team as we were talking about earlier with super teams. But LA's got a lot of those, and the Atlanta Braves just reloaded with a great player in Matt Olson. And then we got to get to one of the shining stars and one of the more unexpected shining stars we've seen in a while. Corbin Carroll has turned this Arizona Diamondbacks team into a possible contender this season. They're they're in a tough division, just like the Padres, the same one actually. And they're fighting for the top spot with the Dodgers right now, just a game or half a game back at the all-star break and mike you had some stuff to say about him yeah corbin carroll probably gonna bring him back to the playoffs for the first time in over six years and he's just a rookie himself um they've they've loaded up with 
good hitters, good fielding, just top. Like he's he had a great season. I think he's an all star as well too. Um, making making his first all star appearance. Um, with six three runs, eighty nine hits, forty eight RBIs. Um, he's batting at two eighty nine as like as a rookie. Like that's really good on a team that you know is coming back into the playoffs after you know just a historically good team. Um, I go to school in Arizona when the Diamondbacks do well, then everyone's feeling good. So I definitely feel like this. He's definitely my my favorite player so far, and I think he's gonna be able to carry them. In October, hopefully, we we might see them in October. Yeah, and they added as well Lourdes Goriel from the L East. He comes from he came from the the Blue Jays, and he's also an All Star as well with his teammates. And he has 15 homers on the season, having a solid year once again. He was a good outfielder in Toronto, and he's doing that again in Arizona. And we'll move on to who we think who's who's our favorite and who's our dark horse to win. The MLB championship year, this year, my team I'm going to go with is Atlanta Braves are who I'm choosing to win it all. I just think it's their time. They have three players with over 30, 20 home runs already this season. And my dark horse would be my Red Sox because I'm a homer and I want them to win. Trash. Trash. Yeah, I think the everyone's safe pick would be the Braves, obviously, which I'm going to take. Because they're probably the favorites. That's the safe pick. My dark horse for sure. Don't you say the Padres? Dark horse for sure. The Padres. Padres, you trolling? For sure. Four Trump. games. Listen, four games under five hundred. Halfway through the season. Game. Halfway through the season, all that talent, all that they get the. <laughs> they the you know how much how much they pay them? They should be at the top of the division, bro. You think? I, I don't pick it up. I agree. I, I agree. And they know what division they're in, which is a tough one. So that's probably part of the reason they went out and splurged like that and got those players. I think they're just underperforming right now. I mean, getting a groove. I mean, you have one of the best players coming from the minors because of suspension. Uh, another best player just got there a year ago in Juan Soto. Uh, Xander Bogarts. Like, it's a new team. It's not like all these players were drafted together and, like, they came up together and they're supposed to be like – I mean, they should be good for sure, but – I think they'll pick it up. It's a year. A year of that, like, and they just, you know, renew contracts, got new people in. Like, I say this year is the year they stink, and the next year they're going to be the team where, like, they have some proof type thing, you know? Yeah, that could be the case, too. I see that. I can see that happening. But... Mike, who you got for yours? I'm not going to – Um, obviously, I'm not going to, like, state the obvious again, the Braves. But my dark horse, I got the Orioles. I got the Orioles, man. There's something about them. I'm I'm, I'm messing with them. I think. No. That, I, think I, I don't they, think you can call the third best team in baseball a dark horse. Just to throw that they have the third best record in the MLB right third now. Best record, but who's expecting them to do anything? That's the thing. Well, I know, but they have been probably a top three best team in the league. Yeah, so Mike, far. that's they're, not a dark horse. I feel, I feel like that. I feel like it is. The, on, the only reason they aren't in the top three seed is because the Tampa Bay Rays are in their division, and that's the second best team in baseball. Like those are proven teams, though. Like the Orioles yeah. are like they're a young, they're a young team, young young team, good hitters. They're like and like the league is like put on notice now after the first half of the season. They're like, oh yeah, these kids are like legit, but they know where they can attack them at, which is their pitching because their bullpen's trash. And no, okay. What uh, what McCabe? Bro, no, Mike. They're you can't call them a dark horse. Like it's just like and it, like that was not the question. That was not the question. 
That was not the question. They're top, the second best team in the league, like in their division or their league conference. Oh no, I feel like baseball is like a much tighter like conversation. Like it's yeah. like it's just like than like another like a lot of sports. All right. Well, for my dark horse, I think I'm gonna go with Seattle. Just a game over 500. I think they got their pitching is insane. Like they have crazy pitching. I mean, and they got their hitting's obviously just been so poor. But I think honestly, they'll just be able to pick it up. And I mean, they ended the, they ended their uh right before the All Star break. They played the Astros and won that series. Got the bats rolling. So I just think honestly, like with their pitching is, I mean, they got Julio Rodriguez. They got Suarez, J.P. Crawford. Chisholm. They got some dudes that can swing the bat. Just Chisholm. And their pitching, I think, is just honestly, like, if they, like, honestly, like, if they played, like, the Reds in a series, they're beating them, honestly, just because of how well their pitching is. And, yeah, like, they got, um. Reds are hidden, though. Yeah, you got to, that's, that's another thing, bro. We got to talk about the Reds. Like, that one team you didn't see coming was the Cincinnati Reds. Like, insane start to the year they were in the leading the division for like the last month or so like that's an incredible turnaround from a team that yeah, was that getting like five thousand fifteen thousand fans a game they're selling out their stadium when they play the braves and they win two games it's like that's that's a great job but just that organization the coaching staff and then you got stars like ellie de la cruz and then supplemental help from tj frito and jake fraley so just some great first halves of the season for a lot of those players and Jonathan India is doing well as, as well. We're going to switch gears here. We got the NBA Summer League going on. Two games are going on right now. The Bucks are playing the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets beating the OKC Thunder by 18 right now. But we'll get into more on that, and we'll get into everybody's favorite player. Victor Weminyama debuted in his Summer League just a few days ago. Nine points, two for 13 shooting, rough night. 15%, 8 rebounds, 5 blocks. But then, wow, everybody's down on him and saying he's not ready, he's not strong enough. Then goes off for 27-12 and 12 on 64% shooting. Only had one assist, but he was the scoring machine and he didn't need to do anything else. What do you guys think of him? Yeah, I think people were chatting way too bad right away. Like, I have people like Mike and D in the chat. Oh, yeah, I'm putting my bets on chat to win Rookie of the Year. Like, I mean, no, like he's gonna be raw. Like I'm still putting my money on Chet. I'm going for, like Chet. No, it's gonna be Chet. Chet has been he's been here a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, just a little I bit longer. Think, I don't even necessarily think it won't be Chet. And not to make this topic about Chet because it's about Victor, but I don't necessarily think it won't be Chet. I think the NBA won't let it be Chet. Like the NBA has put so much into him, and like I think the NBA wanted the face of the NBA to be John Morant. And as the things with John Morant went on, obviously that's not the case, at least right now. So to save themselves, they made this big exposure of Victor, and this is how they're going to promote the NBA from now on and keep the NBA as the NBA. I mean, the NBA will always be the NBA, but to just, you know, keep it up there as one of the top things, I think they're using Victor as that key piece. So I don't think they will let him lose rookie of the year, even if he didn't deserve it. Because we've seen that before. We've seen some people win it who didn't deserve it. I don't know. I think just, I mean, back to, like, his first game, like, yeah, he did. I mean, he had five blocks still, and but he shot, tore, like, two for 13. Like, that's terrible. But, I mean, he didn't feel comfortable, and I think that's the biggest thing. And then once he starts getting comfortable, like, 
it's over. Like I think he's gonna I think see like he's gonna average upwards of seventeen plus a game. You're easily gonna get eight plus rebounds a game, and then it, I guarantee it's gonna be three blocks a game, and he will probably be up for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean it'll be insane. I mean his first the rough start didn't phase me. Like who do who do we all call the greatest basketball players of all time? Either Jordan or LeBron. Like do we know what they how they did their very first games? Whether I don't think summer league was there for Jordan, but like how do they perform their first games? Like yeah, I mean obviously they probably weren't as hype. LeBron was for sure, if not more hype. But it's like you can't come on now. Yeah, first game like he's not gonna be a bust. He's seven five, seven three, whatever the hell. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can do everything you need a good NBA player to do. And then he just have this unmatched height. So I was yeah, never definitely in the the media ran with the quote he had. It said, I didn't really know what I was doing on the court, but I'm trying to learn. And I think they took that a little out of context. Changing from a league in France and where you're playing against a lot worse competition and even the summer league, a lot better competition than you'd usually see the games faster. And he's got to get acclimated to a whole new country that he never had been in before and lived in. And so just all those things going into it. And then you see what he does in his second game. I think there's a lot to be happy about if you're a Spurs fan. And you saw that when they spent millions of dollars on season tickets. And you see the guy at the NBA draft, the little like pullout thing. And he says, Spurs number one pick. That dude jumped out of his seat. He knows how special of a talent Wembenyama is. And we're going to... Another very special talent, the second pick in the draft, Brandon Miller, had a rough go so far in his oh. summer league two games. He's 24 points in two games. He has nine rebounds in two games, 10 assists, and 13 fouls in two games. So not a lot that we've seen from him positive. But what do you all think? Do you think he can turn around, or do you think this is what you're going to get in Charlotte for his first season? I think, I think the first half of the season might, might be somewhat like this. Um, I think he's going to be inefficient scoring, just like getting adjusted to the game. You know, they said like his big, like, you know, his biggest flaw was his inconsistency at Alabama. You know, we'd see this, to see this man go seven for nine from three and then go one for one for like 15 in the tournament, you know, but like he has that switch. We've seen it so many times with things like when he had his back against the wall, when those um, police allegations were going on and dropped 40 points the next game, next day, where after, like, the, we see the switch is there. The switch is there. I have faith in Brandon Miller. A lot of people have don't have any faith in the man. I really like him. I I, I think he should have went to number two instead of Scoot. I totally agree with the pick that the Hornets had. It's the best fit for Melo and that team for the future, and that boy's just a demon. You know how he get with the blicky, you feel him? Yeah, I agree. Um. I agree. He 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 should have went to not because he's better than Scoot, but because it was the better fit for the team, one hundred percent. Second thing is he's gonna be just fine. First of all, he's playing on a summer league team with people he's not gonna be playing with. Some of them, maybe a couple, but a lot of them no. Wow, he's gonna be playing he's with them. He's doing he's things. Them. He's but he's they have him doing things that he's not gonna be doing in the regular. For example, like a lot of them turnovers are from him just. The whole time, just pound, 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 trying to create, create. Lamelo is going to take care of all of that. Yeah. So he's not going to have to worry about having to pound. The thing, Alabama, he didn't do the Alabama either. He had Jelly JQ, and then he had the other little lefty guard who shoots really well. They did all the dominant ball handling, which opened up for him. Or to go crazy. Yeah, that made him just able to go downhill, catch and shoot. Like 
do all of those things as a wing that got him drafted. They got him trying to do a lot of ball dominant stuff. Not that he can't dribble or distribute, but that's just not his game to do the whole game. Like, so not I was, yet, not yeah, yet, a couple, for sure, not yet. Because it's like it's like Paul George. Paul like, George, Paul, Paul Jabari. remember Jabari last year? Those things now, but he couldn't do those things early in his pace of years. He was a three and D guy, a slasher guy. Then his game evolved, which I think would happen for Brandon Miller. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's. I mean, even in the like those first two couple games they played in Utah before the summer league, like he was still averaging like eight fouls a game. Like it's kind of ridiculous, but I don't know. Like, who do y'all think is like his comp is like going into the league right now? Like Paul George. Paul, y'all still think it's Paul George? Paul George. Paul George. Paul George. I'm Only thinking that, he like a three and D kind of guy. Like this Paul, first year, like he's gonna be three and D. That was Paul George's. Paul George was three and D at the Pacers for. That's for what he got drafted years. for. He, he went got, the tenth pick. He was a three and D guy. And then he went from three and D to putting a rock on the floor, coming off ball screens uh, from the wing, defending. Then he grew some inches, which made him able to defend in the post a little bit. That's kind of what evolved him into a superstar. Him growing, right. being able to play instead of two and three to being able to play. He went from being able to play the two and three to being able to play the one through four. So I think that, he'll just be kind of like a Jalen Williams, like on the Thunder. You know how he was his rookie year? No. No. He, yes. Coming out of college, Jalen Williams didn't know. Jalen Williams? See, but I don't. Not really. Jalen Williams who? Number, he's number eight. From the Thunder. He, he got like second rookie. Yeah, second rookie oh, no, no, no. You trolling. No. trolling. I, I think he has a higher ceiling. I think he has a much higher ceiling. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, but he, he, I don't he, know, bro. He doesn't show much. He be, he PG reincarnated, but I'm telling you, he nice. Like at this when Paul George got drafted and Brandon Miller got drafted, like Brandon Miller like was is like ways ahead of him, like in his developmental already. Like he can like he like when they have him doing the stuff that he's like he can't do, like really pass the ball, do all that crazy shit. That's why he's getting all those turnovers. But like he's taking up the ball with confidence though. Like he's still like trying to hit a move. He's just trying to get to his find his spots. That's like when you see him play, like you're seeing him like just make those mistakes, but like they're not bad mistakes. They're like, okay, he's trying to get a feel of the game. I guess, yeah. Like, it's summer is, league. It's summer league. So then he's gonna go see. He's gonna grow through it. And then some that's what summer league's there for. Get all out. Yeah. In the training camp, you know, you, you yeah, you got a sense of what works and what doesn't. So you kind of block. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be a good player. They are one of the best teams in college when Brandon Miller's on the team. And you saw when he didn't produce during the tournament, they were rough going and then they get knocked out early. So we'll see what he does. We'll wait and see. Probably first fifteen to twenty games, like you mentioned, probably gonna be a little rough. But I think he'll turn it around and he'll be in the conversation for rookie of the year because he's just that talented. And then we're going to another guy that's that talent is up there as well, Keontae George. 29 and a half points per game, 44% shooting. And he's oh. second in the summer league right now in terms of assists per game. He's at 8.5. So he's doing everything. And Mike, I see you making some noises, but also he, you wanted yeah. to go to the Lakers. You wanted him on the LA, LA Lake show. I was sad. When I saw that boy got drafted beforehand, I was so sad. And then we got that push of Phoenix. Bum. Not a bum. He's not a bum. I'm sorry. He's a bum. He's playing solid, bro. Was that the Timberwolves pick? Was was that the Timberwolves thirteenth overall pick? Dude, that's what I was gonna say with the Keontae. That's the first one. That was that's the first that's the first uh the first first round pick. That oh my god, Rudy! Like imagine. 
I was thinking about that. Like, how would that, like, how would Keontae fit next to Anthony Edwards? We probably wouldn't even have gave up that pick. Which they probably wouldn't have drafted him because you know the Timberwolves organization. They probably <laughs> took. Who knows? They probably would have drafted Hushafino. You never know. But no, I know during draft night when we were all watching, Mike, when they drafted Kante George and they showed his highlights and Mike was going crazy saying he's a dog, he's a dog. And I was just, I was down on him. I didn't think he was all that. But these last summer summer league games, he's been going dumb. And I think Mike Mike knew some. He took the spot. He took the starting spot. He's good for sure. And not only is he good, I think the way he plays his game, there's a couple people in college off the top of my head I could think of where if Keontae has success in the NBA, he will literally help those players that I'm thinking about in college draft stock. For example, Caleb Love. I think his game resembles Caleb Love game a lot. And I feel that if Keontae George has success in the league, that will help Caleb's Love draft stock next year if he decides to go with him. Sure, he will. I think he's a senior. Yeah, I think so. it will help his draft stock because teams will be looking for talent like that, which I think Caleb Love has. And I think their games are pretty similar as far as Tommy the Lloyd got, Tommy tough Lloyd shot got making, tough shot making, uh, questionable decisions at times, but just being a big shot maker, playing hard, giving it your all, having that swagger on the floor, taller, bigger guard frame. I think all of those things come come close to each other. So I think if Keontae George have a success successful rookie year, that will help Caleb Love draft stock a lot. Yeah, my major point is I think that's a good comparison, but also the fact that we're seeing Keontae do it on the biggest stage he's been in so far, and Caleb Love just had a rough, rough year this year and then two years ago as well. Like He had that one shining star year where he hit the shot over Deontay's team, Duke, to go to the national championship. But other than that, he was inconsistent at, at most of the time, and I don't think inconsistency was George's problem. I think injuries were... He missed a good portion of his last college season because of injury, and that stifled Baylor a little bit because they weren't getting that production from him at guard. But I yeah, do he think... was selling at the end of the year. That's why, like, end of year Baylor, I remember watching him. Like, he had some moments, but I remember they just – Baylor fell off so hard, lost those two games back-to-back to Iowa State. Like, it was bad. Yeah, and – so I just think he's going to have a great rookie season. I think it's a perfect team for him to flourish in. They got the bigs down. They made that trade. Now they got John Collins, Laurie Markkinen, and Walker Kessler in the front court. And that backcourt is going to be nice if they can get George to get on track and have a good rookie season. Will he be playing point? He'll be playing point. Oh, yeah. They got to figure out what they're doing with Colin Sexton, too, yeah, whether he's staying or going. I would I would keep Colin, I would keep Georgia Colin because first you can't of all, Colin, keep, bro, because then they got Clarkson. I mean, unless you right. have Keontae come would, off the bench, I would get rid of Clarkson before Colin. off the bench. I would get yeah, rid he's of cool coming off the bench. What you're gonna get rid of the sixth man of the year? Jordan no, Clarkson. You, yes, no, over Colin Sexton. You put you start know. Clarkson. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. D, you just said you don't get rid of the sixth man of the year. When was oh, he? Six, what a couple years ago? A couple Did years he, ago, he's he's still dropping. Over 15 points a game. He's good. He's good, but I feel Colin like... Sexton not even doing that. He's not even on the court. Good. He can't say healthy. He can't say healthy. D, you think Jordan Clarkson's worse than Colin Sexton? Colin Sexton I, don't say, I don't necessarily think he's worse, but... Bro, it's Jordan not even close. It's not healthy. even close. Mm, not even close is crazy. Bro, no. Bro, Jordan Clarkson close. is raw. Because Colin Sexton can't... He's good. Jordan Clarkson, he can score. He's good, but first of all, Colin Sexton is way better defensively. Clarkson. When, you can't stay off, when you can't stay on the court half the time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
That that defense mm-hmm. is not being played. If we're gonna talk about injuries, we can sit here and talk about everybody who needs to be shipped off. Then that we, we could do that. We could do that. But Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson before Colin Sexton, crazy. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson hey, is nice. But my main you thing have is to think of age. You have to think of age too. He has if he. Jordan Clarkson's never been injured, never ever been injured all his NBA career. Colin Sexton has he been injured. Been good he just got good like like a year or two ago. No, he, he got did good. just get good, Mike. He, he did just got good. He's been in the league for a while. Oh my god. He did just he got get four good. years ago when he left he when the not four years. When? LeBron left when he went to the Jazz. He was good ever since he joined the Jazz. Uh, I wouldn't say no. I would say these last two years. Oh, oh you're to blossom. Slowly. He's starting to blossom, and then he looked. He blossomed a lot more last year after they got rid of Donovan. Uh-huh. Like you don't see like he's just been for the past four or five years. He's been a consistent guard. That you just, I'd say two years. He's been good. Don't do that. Consistent, consistent role player. Yeah, I guess. Uh, one more question I had about Keontae George is how do you think he would have fit next to Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves if they would have. Hypothetically, kept that pick and not good. Not good. Look good. I think they're too similar. I think you got to fit Ant with like a passing guard, a pass first guard, not a. I think Keontae score first guard. Mike Conley's a pass first guard next to Edwards. Average since since that trade, he averaged like four or five. Yeah, Yeah, Cone. Yeah, Cone. Yeah, Cone. Yeah, Cone. He like Chris (laughs) Paul, bro. No, yeah, I think Mike is cool. Like he a good serviceable guard. No. Oh, oh. I, I, I disagree. I think he's he needs to. Jones, he's one of the, the Jones brothers. Oh, Andrew. Hey, but get, getting back to the Jazz, like you guys were talking about it. Like we just, I mentioned the front court earlier, and then you guys are arguing. But those are three solid players that they're building their back court around as well, and they have that stockpile of draft picks. The the Jazz and Danny Ainge are headed in a very good direction for a yeah. franchise that just traded away their two best players. And they got as much as they could in return for him. Switching lanes now to underrated performer of the Summer League. Uh, Everybody's got a guy that they think has been going a little bit unnoticed because of Wemby's crazy performance the second time. Brandon Miller's struggles. And Keontae George's amazing performance. And I'd throw in there that shot from Jabari Smith. I mean, that would be my underrated performer, but you can't really say underrated because he's leading the yeah, no, and you can't say and that. he's doing everything for the Houston Rockets. So that's gonna be a fun team to watch this year. Very young, very athletic, and they got Emi Udoka, had that little stuffle in Boston, but now he's in, yeah, he's they in be charge smooth. of a he's in charge of a good young solid core that's getting ready to go. Um we'll go to D first. We got Imani Bates, who was the number one player uh nationally coming out of high school stuffled a little bit at memphis then went to eastern michigan scored a lot had that one crazy game we scored it was like 27 straight or something like that for his team didn't missed and so we'll get into that d he's been doing some things for the cavaliers yeah imani was for sure my pick without a doubt i'll say that because i mean he was what the 49th pick second round yeah, definitely a steal. Ever did 16 and 6 and like half an assist, assist, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I picked him because first off, he's playing with the good Cavs team. They're good all around. They have quite a bit of second and third year summer league players, which for him to be averaging 16 on a team with a bunch of second and third year players impressed me first because, you know, usually when you go on a team with, you know, team full of players, this is their second, third year, they're trying to get a roster spot. It could be hard to, you know, get your touches and get your shots. But for him, as him being a 49th pick, he's just coming in, fitting right in, taking shots in rhythm. 
Obviously, he's known for gunning a little bit. I don't think he's been doing that too much at all. He's shooting pretty – what is he shooting, like 40, 44% or something like that? So not terrible, pretty efficient. Uh, Another reason I chose him is because he was like the 41st leading scorer in Summer League, and I did my research, and every person ahead of him, the other 40 ahead of him, are either – they either all were drafted ahead of him in the first round or they're either second- or third-year players in Summer League. So I'm like – Okay, you have a top 41 score that you got at the 49th pick, which is not a risky pick at all. So for some teams, it's like almost a throwaway pick. If you get something, you get something. So I think for sure the Cavs got still in the draft with this pick. I think they should make the most of it. I think they should try to throw him out there in the fire early in the season, try to get him going, get him a feel for the game, get him stronger for sure. I think they get him stronger and get his confidence going. It'll be a long rookie of the year season. And I think he could end up in that third, fourth spot of Ricky to your vote. Yeah, zero chance that happens because they got way too many dudes. You said that would be a terrible take. Who who is who is who clears Imani besides Victor Wimyamba and maybe Scoot Henderson? I don't Brandon Bro. Miller, I guess. Brandon Miller, but who else just who clears him? Like you look and you're like the Wolves second round pick is better than him, Leonard Miller. Like Le- Leonard Miller? Yes. That's who my pick is. My pick exactly. is Lin, Lin, Leonard Miller. Bro, slipped to the second round. He was supposed to go first round. He's aver- Bro, he averaged six, like 17 points. He's young. Points in the G League last year with Scoot and, and 10 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, the dude's nice. And in the summer league, he's been putting up the same exact numbers he did in the G League. And dropped a 20-point game, Um, I think, yesterday or so. Dropped 20 points, four rebounds, two assists, three steals. Like, Super good game. Like this, like I think he has a better opportunity than just Imani because Imani, all Imani's gonna do is gun. That's all they're gonna use him for on the Cavs if he even gets to play. Exactly. The, the Cavs just got Max Struess, George Niang, like and we've seen how that Merrill dude's been hooping. That Merrill dude might have Imani's Imani's position in that rotation. Yeah, my main thing is the talent is definitely there for Imani. I just think the opportunity is just not there as much. And then Mm-mm. you're talking about Leonard Miller. He's on, a, he's on a good opportunist team. I mean, what the fuck? The Cavs got bounced in the first round. Like, I think he's out here. He's not like he's not like he's going to a team who's going for a two p championship or something. Or like they're trying to run it. They got bounced in the first round. They got embarrassed. Damn, they're about the next. So it's like he's not going to a team who's like established and not looking for someone to come in and be a game changer. They have Donovan Mitchell, obviously. Darius Garland. Those are great players. They're still missing that one piece who can just come in, especially off the bench. Like, yeah, my, my main got... thing though, my main thing is when when he's been as at his best, he's been the number one story. He's been the number one option. Like when he was at Eastern Michigan, he flourished. When he was in high school, he flourished. But when he was at Memphis and they had a solid team around him, it was a little bit of a struggle. So we'll see in the NBA where there's more chances with the 81 games for him to get acclimated and get ready. I think he'll be a solid piece to add to that team, but I don't know how he's going to get get rookie of the year. I, I think he could be in the conversation come the end of the season, but I don't see him being a top three finisher. He won't he won't get it for sure. No one is gonna get it but Victor. I don't think he'll be in the top three, top four. But I I, I can definitely see him being in like third, fourth quoting. Okay, so no. we talked we talked about Miller, we talked about Bates. Now we get to one of the more like underappreciated is what I would say from most most fans of Kentucky last year, no one even talked about them really. They were un un like 
I wouldn't say they were angry, but they weren't happy with the performance they got out of Case and Wallace. And then he comes in and drops 20 in his first first game in the summer league. And he's he's a defensive player too. Like that was a great yeah. game from him. Yeah. So my guy for I picked on this, I had I took Case and Wallace just because. I mean, there's not you can't. Bro, you you can't say much of it. He's only played one game in the summer league, so like, there's not too much of it. But his first game, he played. He literally got 20 points. Like, what? He shot super efficient, and then like he had five threes in the first half. And the Thunder, they don't need a. And like, Casey Wallace, like, yeah, he was known for mostly his defense as a point guard, and then people were kind of skeptical about his shooting. Like, they didn't know how well he was going to shoot the ball. But I mean, shit, he kind of proved a bunch of people wrong right away and shut a lot of people up. He's baby and Drew with Holland. that. He's baby got, it's one game. He's baby Drew Holiday. I'm telling you. I just you. hope we all yeah, realize. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison, Drew Holiday. Baby Drew Holiday. I think he's, he's gonna let, but like, here's the thing: like his upside was hustling, making uh-huh. decisions, like get like like playing good defense. Those are his three upsides. Like that dude's gonna be in the league for a very long time. Yeah, like he. He's going to be in the league for a very long time. And the Thunder, they don't – like, he can dribble the ball well enough. Like, okay, you got no, – Not well enough. Shy can dribble the ball. Giddy can dribble the ball. J-Dub can dribble the ball. And I got Casey Wallace. Like, Yeah, like, I, I definitely think it's it's a perfect fit. Stacking. For type of player, I think it's a perfect fit for that young like, OKC team. But yeah. then we'll get into our next topic, the in-season tournament the NBA just added. It'll be – at, like a bunch of, I guess, regular season games they're throwing together into this tournament mm-hmm. and then some playoffs in Las Vegas. So we'll see how that turns out its first year. Um, I just want to talk about the groups. There's a few of them where I'm just like, wow, that's going to be a tough group to get out of. In the West, they have West A, they have the Lakers, they have the Grizzlies, they have the Phoenix Suns, who are a super team at this point, and then they have the Blazers and the Jazz. So Blazers probably have finished bottom of that group. Most likely Dame's gone. But, like, I think there's four solid teams there that are going to be given just – I don't know. It's going to be a dogfight there. And then the, the Knicks, Heat, and Bucks are all in the same group as well. So, it'll be interesting to see how that goes its first season. I really like how the NBA is doing this. Um, to like, I feel like the NBA is, like, trying to start, like, new like new rivalries. Like, you know, like, start, like, that new, like, type of beef, like, with where, like, teams, like, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to playing you like every like every single like week or so while we have like these group this group play and just like start up that animosity early because you know it always starts in the playoffs. Someone's not liking someone, the memes come out, it gets the NBA buzzing and all that stuff. Like and NBA just wants to create just more revenue for themselves. So I think this is like a really good idea. And I also think this is probably the best, the best um um group there is because I mean, all these teams, all those teams are tossed for who's going to win the championship this year, you know, for the real deal thing. Right. So, I don't know. I'm going to take the Lake Show out of it, you know, because. The show. The show. And the GOAT, you know, a little, little slight sum. All right. Uh, so. Oh, you said something, D. No, I was just going to say, I like the idea of the, the whole tournament layout and everything. And I'm looking at it on my paper here, but. I know uh, as far as a note, something I wrote down was what's the reward of it? Like, what's going to be the motivation of getting these players, like, up and ready to go and even care about winning this tournament? Is it can't just be a big trophy cup. Like, they're not going to give a damn. Like, it ain't the 
It ain't the yeah, real. Yeah, there definitely should be some bonuses well, in there. The main thing that I'd say, though, is that people are already resting games. And so my guess is they'll rest before those tournament games and then go into the tournament fresh like a regular season game, attack it like it. I think it what, – what time did they say it was, like middle of the year or something like that? November 3rd is Early when the December. games begin. And then I think the end of it is like December 9th. Yeah, yeah. like middle of December. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see it also. But like – I just think that it's it the first few years, like you said, not as many people are going to want it. But as it develops, like if you like, I, I'm a soccer fan, so I watch that. So like, there's cups, and then there's the championship for the league, and that's become a major thing where every team wants to win the cup as well. They just want a trophy during their season. So I think one in the next few years, we could see an underrated like team that goes and gets the 20th pick overall in the draft or like the 15th pick. They're not like even competing for the championship, but they're winning that cup. And they have a successful season in their eyes because they won something. And it's like it's like a rebuilding team, I would say. Could win a cup or something like that. And it's just like it's something for the fans and it's something for just NBA fans in general to watch more, I'd say, better games, but like you you'd hope that they'd be playing their hardest every game no matter what. But usually that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's solid. I think just also looking at it, like you really realize how bad the East is this year. Looking at it. Right. You look at all you look at these every teams year. and you just you just look at the East and it's like, damn, it's that that much worse. Look, yeah, look at my look at our division, baby. Every, oh, I love the Celtics division. It's the every, Nets. Yeah. It's the Nets, the Raptors, the Bulls, and the Magic. Like I don't see yeah. a loss in there. I I really don't. It's crazy. Like, that's horrible. I'll say, like, hey, but then what's we're talking about horrible. It's it's a horrible cap situation in Phoenix. They're yeah. four. They're four stars right now. One hundred and sixty-three million dollars for Aiton, Beal, Durant, and Booker, and that's over the salary cap already without even filling out their starting rotation, much less their entire roster. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on how you think that's going to pan out in Phoenix. I think yeah. I think it's going to be the same thing. You know, this like you know, none of these super teams have worked besides the Golden State era. You know those none of but these. Super I don't teams. even call that a super team to be honest, just because they were all it was like their whole. It's just because they only had a Katie. You know, the super team, dude. They have, super, they have five all stars on the floor. Yeah, but it was just KD they added. It's not like the Nets where they added. It's still, it's still, still a super team. team. It's still a super team. It's still a right, super. Team. Regardless, you don't got to sign everybody for it to be a super team. Don't try to give KD a pass right now. We're not like, here. trying to get like like. See, I'm, like, getting, I'm not gonna be giving KD a pass. I'm not doing that. Katie's Katie is the sorriest superstar we've ever seen. Okay, we're, not, we're not gonna overbash Katie either. No, I think he's legit the sorry, like the least competitive, sorriest superstar we've ever seen. We when it like you you never see, you know, the good guy or anything like that run, you know, you know, run away from the issue. He's ran away from every single issue. Every single issue that's blocked his path in his career, he's ran from and tried to figure it out. Bam, this doesn't work out. Nets didn't work out. Bam, goes to the Suns. Okay, that didn't work out. Let's go way over the salary cap, $160 million, not even filling out our roster. People don't realize this. Kitty's probably, probably at home just like us, sipping a cup of wine and getting enough kids to his phone. Phoenix Suns traded for Bradley Bill. Like, I don't think I don't think Katie's LeBron. I don't think he has as much power over what's he going on. Just, they were, everyone was trying to get Bradley Bill. Like that's just like false, and the Suns were the front runner. Like the Suns, who are already over like cap, were the front runner, and he and Brad Beal were in his ear. Honestly, the I think with the Suns, your superstars felt like 
Like your superstars tell you what they want. Like Loki, yeah, Mike's right. Mike's right. Like your superstars tell you exactly what you want. That man, Brad Beal said, I want to get out of here. My top places are the Suns, Miami, and wherever, wherever else. As soon as those the Heat and the Suns hear about it, oh Jimmy. Jimmy went and texted him. Kyle Lowry went and texted him. Bam went and texted him. That's exactly what just happened. But yeah, that's and... it's not like he's like going to the front office door and he's like, You can't another superstar. It's not like he's, yes, he definitely did. It's like the guy requested a trade. There's someone on the market. Oh, obviously, we should go get him. It's not like he didn't request a trade and we're like, What's a superstar that's on a whack team that we can convince to come here? It's not like that. It's not like that. It I is. Like, like, it. Nah, but. I'm sorry, sorry. Like it's just, it's just like it. It is what it is. But the Suns, looking at the roster, like they got that 160 with them. Like the new CBA rule, like you got to pay it. What is it, a dollar and a half, Andrew? Right? Yeah, Every it's it's, it's gonna be a lot of it's million. It's over 10 million, I believe, that they're yeah, going to for be paying sure for, for them. It's yeah, it's it's a hefty price, but it's also like mm-hmm. once that kicks in the CBA, it's going to be draft picks. It's going to be other things mm-hmm. that you can't afford as a franchise if you're going to be not even just long term, just trying to build what they call a dynasty. So it's like it's yeah. going to be an interest. It's a fine line to walk if you're going to be putting that much money into a roster. And we'll see with what happens with Aiton. But a superstar we're not going to have to see what happens with is Kyrie Irving. He re-signed with the Dallas Mavericks, and now it's Luke and him back together. And we saw them miss the playoffs this year. Very disappointing. But it's also they tanked because they wanted that pick to stay theirs. And it actually ended up working. They only lost, what was it, $250,000? Like, that's pocket change to them. So it helps them out like so much. It was like 700K, but that ain't. I think Mark Cuban, like, they ate that. And then donated the same amount to a charity to, like, uh, to blow NBA like a kiss or something for the fine. Yeah, and that's what most of the players do at this point. It's the the funniest thing is where fans try to donate the money to, and it's like, bro, they're billion dollar owners. They don't need your help. They can just put that money down on anything they want, and they're chilling. Cause Shark Tank ain't going nowhere. That man making billions upon billions. But the co- the Kyrie move, I like it a lot. I think it's a great move because, first of all, I think the Mavs showed him that they're willing to take some risk to try to build a championship team. I think they showed that to him when they traded for him because they're trading for someone who in like a month or two was going to be a free agent who they're giving up. They gave up some important pieces, Mr. Dinwiddie and Dorian Fismini, two of their best defenders, two role players. They gave up to bring someone, like I said, who would be, who could potentially walk in two months. So they showed that they're willing to take risks to get the players to build a championship team. Also, you're playing that's the Luka Doncic, who's an all-time great. I mean, he's a superstar. So, yeah, Luca yeah. definitely. Yeah, Luca definitely gonna come in the best shape of his life. Like I just, he's gonna be going crazy this year. I think. I think he's gonna win MVP. That's uh, that's my pick, honestly. I think Mike, don't be mate, don't be doing all that. Don't be doing that, Mike. You'll see, bro. Like they got, they Kyrie. Like now they kind of you know like it's tough with a dude like him coming in like not really knowing how he plays, how they how to play off each other. Like especially those two, like they both need a ball. But now I think just like more work together like a training camp together like they'll just get more comfortable with each other you know it worked out for sure i think it was a great move for him i mean mm-hmm. he, he got paid again he's been paid before so it's not like he's at a point in his career where like he's looking for that big contract he's had that before he has money he got some more money obviously and then the contract was probably structured exactly how he wanted it player option i believe on that third year 
Uh, so that's probably good for him. So whatever the team resides, then he can make his choice. And uh, go ahead, McKay. Oh yeah, but you also like look at the roster, like they and like who they signed. Like they need a defense. They boom, they got Grant Williams, like solid guy who can kind of basically guard one through five. And then they also got Seth Curry, like another just shooter that they kind of needed. So I just think, and then Jalen Hardy, like he's coming up, he's rising star. I think like that's they're going to be tough this year. That's my, is that our pick for most improved, or is it too soon? No chance. He don't have the best opportunity, I don't think, yeah, to don't, get that. Yeah, I don't no. think so. No, not with Kyrie and Luka, no. I, yeah, I guess but, like, when Luka and Kyrie don't play, like, he goes off. Like, like, Luka, like the, if you think about, like, the, the most improved players, like, like they, like, elevated, like, the, their teams, like, got elevated that season. I don't know. He's going to be the number one off the bench. Yeah. He's, most improved player like, is definitely going to be Jordan Poole, like. Plain and simple. Could he, already be. Won, he already won most approved, I think. No, he didn't. They no, gave no, to, no, he didn't. They gave it to John Morant the year he should have got it. Yeah. Uh, no, John Morant should have got it that year, I think. No, John Morant. No. But Jordan, but gonna, they won't give it to Jordan Poole. Everyone like knows that, that Jordan Poole really should have won that award. He should have won it that year. John yeah, was a everyone knows MVP that. candidate, like the third in voting. Like, he should have been a second or third MVP candidate. That's what he should have been. He shouldn't have won it, but he shouldn't have got it most improved. Right now, the 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 odds for the most improved player right now, the 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 person with the best odds right now is uh Michael Bridges, which makes think, sense, you know. I think he could be all star. I think. Mikhail but then Bridges seconds, Tyrese Maxey and then Kate Cunningham. Yeah, and that's not crazy to say as an all star because they're thinking about when they were trying to trade. What was it Anthony Simons in a first round pick and like a bunch of other stuff? Like they yeah. reject oh, it immediately. So that's how they know like how good Macau Bridges is. And so I think they're crazy for that. The, I think that it's gonna be an interesting situation with the Blazers, what they do with Dame. But also we gotta get into another another topic that everybody's on to, on board with. We're weeks away from the start of the NFL season. And sure. we got training camp starting the 18th for some rookies. And we all gave our favorite rookie out of the draft class or, or some of our favorite rookies and why. And mine is Bijan Robinson simply because of the opportunity. It's just, it's, it's a wealth of opportunity for him. He has everything ahead of him looking like a passing offense to him most likely because it's to him and Pitts, And then, I guess London could have a good year, but they weren't giving him as much volume as you'd like to see from a wide receiver in his first year. But Bijan Robinson, electric athlete at Texas, did everything you you could ever want. I think injuries because that could just hinder him because he's going to be utilized so much in that offense, and it's going to be like the same thing. They're going to run him into the ground like most running heavy teams do. In the they ran the ball the most last year, the Atlanta Falcons, and we'll see what happens there. They did. Yeah, they were the most. Yeah, it was. It was. They only ran the ball. They only ran it. Well, they had Desmond Ritter for a few games, so that was a little tough for them. Tyler Algier, dude, I believe his name. Yeah, he's yeah. Algier was very good, and then they had that. I think it was Mike Davis last year too. Like they had a bunch of like. Running backs rotating. But then they also the Cordell Patterson was there. He was yeah. Patterson, there you go. I think Patterson's still there, right? Patterson. Yeah, I think they signed him again. I think Bijan. I think like they like the Falcons are like trying to like really prep for the future. They have three like three solid RBs on their roster. Yeah, all can catch the ball, all can run pretty good. Like I think Bijan had like won't be taking a crazy beam this year. I think they're gonna try to squeeze his last year out of um out of Cordell for his last year of his contract. 
put Bijan in, but still keep Algier as their number three for when they don't have Cordell next year. Just like get Bijan like you know up and going. That's all he needs. You know, like I feel like they just need to squeeze whatever's left out of Cordell. And I definitely see what you mean if they do that. Okay, we'll get to Deontes. You had Christian Gonzalez, a guy I thought fell a lot for where he's going he pre-draft. Fell. He was top 10 in some, most of those mock drafts. Goes all the way down. I think it was 16 or 17. I think it was 17 to the Patriots. Just a, a lockdown corner from Oregon. We'll see what he does in his first year, but you had something to say about him. Yeah, I definitely – I took him as my favorite uh, My favorite pick because – like I said, he slipped a lot. Uh, he's a big corner. Like he's a he's a good sized corner. He has good feet. He's not like a big slow corner. He has good feet. That fits well with his, with his size. But I really think the Patriots just did. They draft the best available because I think they for sure could use a receiver. Was that Juju? Was that Juju uh, contract? Was that in place before the draft? Do you guys know? It was. Yeah. Like the first couple of days of free agency. Hey, right, you got I, Devontae Parker back too. I'm in charge. But I think the Juju signing helped them make the decision a little bit in the draft of like, are we going to go receiver? Because Jordan Addison was available, which I think is really good. And I think the Patriots could have used someone like him a lot. But I think they just wanted to go Every, every single receiver was available at that point. Yeah, all the good yeah. receivers were available. But I think they were just like, that's available. It's still available. And like, he should have been taken, which I think we all can agree on that. So they're like, we're going to go best available. And plus, they're good at developing corners. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, another good one. Uh, Jack JC Jones. Jackson as well, yeah. Like, they're good at developing DBs. So they're like, they probably thought we can, you know, we got another superstar here in the making. So not a bad pick at all. I like I think, it. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's Mike, gonna be, yeah. Mike, who you who was your underrated dude? Who do you, who got, do you like coming out of the draft? You got, you got three, so we're going to be interested. You got the floor, Mike. Three. Let's hear it. I got three. All right, to start off, I'm starting off with Tank Dell. You know, uh, I'm a big Ohio State fan, big Ohio State fan, y'all know. And uh, CJ Shaw got drafted second overall to the Texans. And I think Tank Dell is that is gonna be that next that next good wide receiver that we're gonna be talking about. He led all of the FBS, all of college, and receiving yards with thirteen hundred, what almost fourteen hundred yards. He had thirteen hundred and ninety-eight yards, so almost fourteen hundred yards. He had 17 touchdowns um, in 2022 and 12 touchdowns in 2021. Like, he's a touchdown machine. He can do everything short, short, medium, deep. Like, he just finds his way open. I think, like, his player comp, he has, like, Kadarius Tony like, type twitchiness, but with, like, a Terry McLaurin type, like, build, the way he plays the game. Like, he, he reminds me a lot of Terry McLaurin, and he's just, like, a little fast, twitchy guy, like, and he scores a lot. And that's what the Texans are going to need. Um, CJ needs that number one, and he's going to be leading that Texans um, offense with John Mechie, um, Brevin Jordan, um, Damian Pierce, and CJ Stroud. And I, I really think they have a shot at being a dark horse team to make, like, to make the playoffs next year. Mike, bro, stop! They're not making no playoffs. I think they, I think they can sneak into the playoffs. Like that (laughs) roster's not as bad as everyone thinks. Like, like Jalen Petrie last year had five picks, rookie year. Derek Stingley. They had him playing in the, in the bad system, but now they get a strictly defensive coach that that defense is going to be taken care of in the next couple of years. You know, Tank Dell's also 5'8". Like, he's tiny. He's – so is Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's like, like the best man on them. Right? Yeah, Mike. Kadarius, <laughs> hey, we'll see, though. Who, who else Tom, you got on there? Who, Tank Dell, who else? Finally had a good season. 
Yeah, I think, but like he, like he just couldn't stay healthy. But I he think did, he didn't have a good season. He had a good playoff run. That's hey, that's all that matters. You get the, you get to the mook at the end of the day, you know. But then, how many Texans players are you gonna draft for your fantasy team since they might make the playoffs? Zero. I'm not trying to get tank. He gonna have zero. Um, I got I got Kalije um Cancy from out of pit. Baby Aaron, baby Aaron Donald. I swear to God, baby. Aaron, oh, like he's same stature, six foot, um, about like two eighty, and dude, like the dude's legit. Like he's the only D lineman in the top ten of sacks, back and back to back years, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. Um, he went to the where'd he go? Um, he went to the the um the Bucks, the Buccaneers. Todd Bowles is their coach. He's gonna be right next to Vita Vea. As their pass rusher, he's going to be put in pass rusher sets. He had seven sacks both years in college. He's the um, and he's the best pure DT. Um, I think he's he's the second coming Aaron Donald. Like I was watching tape on this dude throughout the season. Like this this dude's unguardable. Like they're throwing everything they got at him. Um, and my last player, super sneaky player out of Utah, um, uh, was busting our ass uh at my school. Sneaky fantasy tight end. That Don Kincaid from the back. Yeah, raw. Kincaid. He is nice. Single-handedly was Utah's whole offense damn near. Um, had almost 900 yards, um, receiving nine touchdowns. Like, and there Jordan Love, I think, is gonna be really relying on the short game. So if you're really looking for a fantasy tight end, I think, and there's they're saying he's doing really good at camp. I think Don Kincaid is my mm-hmm. last pick. So I got yeah. some three sleepers, but yo, but hey, Duncan K, he's on the Bills, just so you know. Yeah, like he's gonna no, be he's gonna be tough. No, I'm talking about the Packers, Duncan K. Duncan K ain't on the Packers. Yeah, on the Packers. <laughs> you know he's on the Bills. My boy, he got drafted. He's in Buffalo. He's in yeah. Buffalo. There's a different tight end that got drafted to the Packers. I swear it's Kincaid. No, nah. Kincaid's on the Bills. Kincaid got drafted by the Bills. But what I was going to say for for Dalton Kincaid, he played with the same style quarterback in college. Just who's he going to yeah. – like, one rising was that head down, run into the defense, like rushing yards, and lofted over the top like they were doing with Knox earlier. And I think it's just a perfect system for him to go into mm-hmm. in his first season, especially on a contending team with good wide receivers. The Bills took a tight end? Yeah. Yeah, first round. They're not, they're not messing with Knox? I, that's no. what I was. That's I mean, what I took away from it. Yeah, I don't know, but is it, or they just don't want to pay the man. Like, yeah, that's probably it. True. Like that's probably what's gonna go on. True. Start yeah, but for me, football. you know, I had to go with my first. I think. I mean, talking about tight ends, I on shit on bus or no part of my take podcast. I was listening to it. George Kittle was talking about Sam Laporta different. The Lions drafted him. I think second round or hey, nice. That yeah, boy. second round is before Michael Myers. Everyone was like, whoa, thought it was a huge surprise because, I mean, but Sam Laporta, George Kittle said he's working out with him and said he moved different. So He looked like think, he moved different. He's taking the tight end screens in college. Yeah. Like, that boy moved different. He also got that so, TJ Hawkinson number, too, 87. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was a great pick for the Lions. Sneaky, sneaky pick. That, And then also another tight end going to Pitt. Darnell Washington, that boy going to be raw. Why he, he got fire move? Huh? Like, what does he need it for? Y'all got fire move. I know, but two tight end set, two wide receiver. Boom! How you stopping that? We got six O linemen, tight end. Like, George Darnell Washington is six eight. Mike, like, come on. I know he a dog. No, he's huge. He's, be, 
I know. So, like, I don't know. I think you can just – I mean, I don't really know how he's going to do. I mean, I hope we got the next Gronk, but we'll see. And then my last dude, um, Emmanuel Forbes, DB, went before Christian Gonzalez, and everyone kind of was surprised about it. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, he went in OTAs. Washington was saying he already solidified it himself as the number one DB they got, and their defense is already pretty nice. So I think it was a good – I think they're looking good, and it was a good pick for them. So Yeah, and speaking of great defenses, we got the – we got the Philadelphia Eagles took two guys in the first round from Georgia off that great yeah. Georgia defense. They got Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. And Jalen Carter fell a little bit, those incidents off the field – but still one of the top players in this draft could have could have went one or two had that not happened but they got they got themselves a great player in Jalen Carter Rex games on that defensive line you're putting him next to who is that one dude again they just drafted another dude Jordan Davis like yep. that defensive line with Fletcher Cox and Hassan Reddick is going to be insane that team is op yeah that team is ridiculous they don't win the chip next year like oh my god like Bro, they upgraded so much. Like, they didn't lose anybody. They retained legit. I, yeah, I honestly they, they think. Darner Johnson, but. Yeah. I think honestly, and like, Miles no Sanders, one... too. Sanders. Well, they got yeah. Swift. I got more faith than Swift. Got Swift. I think I got more space than Swift, too. Swift is really good. He just gets I like, through those, I like Swift. He gets through those injuries. He's going to be a, he's gonna be around for, I think. A, no, but I think that with, like, getting Nolan Smith, I think that was a bigger steal than Jalen Carter just because. I mean, because people don't really know. Like, I honestly think because he didn't play much in his his last season. Like, he rarely played. He got hurt early. And I honestly think if he played, he would have been top three pick for sure just because of how athletic and how fast he is. Like, I honestly think that was the biggest steal of the draft. Just he and he just everyone has been saying at camp how much he loves football, how much he loves the work. And they're just saying that dude is crazy in the weight room and just on the field. And so I think that was bigger steal than Jalen Carter. Yeah, we got two topics left. We got Lamar Jackson signing the biggest deal in NFL history in terms of of money per year and guaranteed money. Five years, $260 million, 52 mil a season. And that saga is finally over. Ravens fans can relax. They have their quarterback for the future. I, I really like that signing. I think Lamar, honestly, is like, he, I feel like he's so disrespected. Like, you like you talk to like any casual person like they're just like you I don't know he gets hurt too much like like he's, he needs to stop running he needs to stay in the pocket he can't throw like I'm like I'm like bro he led the league like his MVP year in passing touchdowns like and like was top five in passing yards like like the Duke could throw and still had no wide receiver help whatsoever and now since they got they got OBJ hopefully Bateman comes back. And like proves us something as Minnesota Gophers fans, you know, at least proves us a little something. Um, Zay Flowers. Who? Uh, who else? Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. Like Zay Flowers was low key. I almost threw him on this list too. Like, like he reminds me of some of Steve Smith. Like just a faster C- Steve Smith. Like, and like he has the whip these the weapons this year, and, and hopefully, like they could stay healthy because they're training. I mean, their training facilities are horrible. Like they were rated like an F minus with, like, their training staff and all that stuff. And I think they replaced them, so hopefully they can stay healthy. I think the Ravens and the toughest division in football could be could be the the number one. I, 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 I wouldn't go there. I think the toughest division has Pat Mahomes, Herbert, and 
Jimmy no Garoppolo chance. and Russell Wilson. That's definitely no the toughest division. No, AFC North it, is definitely the toughest. Is Who's AFC the, North or the one with the with the Bills, Pats, Jets, and Dolphins? I guess. Either, yeah, I can say that. Uh, I can say that. I would probably give it to that division too, but I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't think the Ravens come out on top because because the Steelers are in there. I think Joe Burrow and those Bengals. Oh no! But the thing is, I think, too, I think they're too much. But not to get off topic on the Lamar thing. I think I think they got better this offseason for sure. They wrapped up the Lamar contract talks. Uh, I think he initially, I think he took less money guaranteed than he wanted to, but I think he just came to the realization that's still a lot of shit. It's a shit ton of money. And it's like, man, as you can see, they're not going to give you more guaranteed. But I think he's worth every bit, every penny from that contract. I think he's going to make it well worth it. And I think the Ravens adding the additions that they added helped him take less money guaranteed than he wanted to add an Odell drafting Zay Flowers. Good thing they didn't pull a Packers and in a wide receiver crisis, they didn't go draft a quarterback who's not going to be ready for three years. So good thing they didn't do that. I think that helped them a lot. The defense is always good. You know, they live, breathe defense. They're always going to have a good defense. So I think they, yeah. make they may, but I got the Bengals for sure. Yeah, and talking about good defenses, the teams that live and breathe them, that's the New Orleans Saints to a T, and they got their quarterback that they were struggling for for so long. Going through Winston, Dalton, and all those rental quarterbacks, they finally got Derek Carr signed to a big deal, and they got Olave coming into his second season. They got Kamara still there. They added Jamal Williams too, which was a surprise, leaving the the, the Lions, who was that, he was the heart and soul of that team. And then you can you gotta hope that Michael Thomas can give you something, but that offensive line's still one of the best there is with Ramchek and just that throughout that offensive line, they've been good for years now. I think yeah. the, I think the Saints and cause that that might be the most crucial division, like just like horrible to watch football. Like that might be that division. And they have a they should finish on top of the division. Um clear number one by and like they should be clear yeah it's not even close that division is so bad yeah they should be clearing teams but i don't know Derek Carr. i don't know because he was on my fan team last year but i think he's gonna do Derek Carr things and just find a way and just to sell the season honestly because michael thomas my man's ankle's gonna be busted up by the week two of training camp like it's, it's cooked what you think mccabe um, nah, I think the Saints, like, they're going to be, I honestly think the Saints will be smooth. Like, you got six games against some trash teams. I mean, the Panthers, I think they're decent, but, I mean, the Falcons, I don't think they're nothing. And then you got, you still got the, the Buccaneers in there who are just in shambles now. But the Saints, you got Olave coming back. He's about to be nice, I think. Like, great fantasy receiver. I think, I mean, Michael Thomas, you saw Michael Thomas coming back, but I don't think he's really going to take much away from Olave. Like, I really think Olave and Carr are going to build a nice connection. But honestly, I really don't know what's going to happen with Kamara, like, if he's going to get suspended through that whole situation that happened in Vegas. I don't know. But you got Jamal. They signed Jamal. Didn't he play the full last season without any? Yeah, but they just – they just he. I think he plead today. He took the plea deal in his case with oh, – yeah. about that Vegas thing literally today. Like, but they so. signed – they signed Jamal Williams, and then they also got the running back from TCU, so they should be smooth. What was the plea? Like uh, he, I think he pled. I, I, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know for sure, but I don't, I don't know how much time we'll, we'll see in the next coming days, how many games or if it is any games at all. 
that he gets in suspension. Probably, I don't think it'll be a full season in any sense of the imagination, but it is an interesting situation to look into. And that's mm-hmm. going to probably do it for our first episode of Beyond the Scoreboard. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was very fun. Great recording session with the boys. And we'll see y'all next time. Appreciate y'all for tuning in.